What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast. It's brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for tuning in as we record this on a Tuesday morning here in the luxurious studios at the Dallas Morning News. I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket. I'm with Kevin Sherrington of The Morning News. Uh, be sure to download some of our other podcasts this week. Going to talk a little Texas Rangers baseball with the television voice and Dave Raymond. And we're also... Uh, we found the one thing Barry Horn is the most passionate about. That's boxing. We have a new champion in Earl Spence Jr. He's going to spend some time discussing that and trying to talk you into why you need to be paying attention to that sport once again. But right now, we need to talk all things college, all things Big 12, and we go to the Morning News' own Chuck Carlton. Chuck, thanks for the time today. And uh, we got some Big 12 meetings and SEC meetings on the docket. And uh, let's just start there. No, the one thing, and, and we'll get to Big 12 in just a little bit, but the one thing to keep your eye on uh, with ramifications in Big 12 country, especially at Texas, is what's going on at the SEC meetings, because the SEC uh, is going to revisit its grad transfer rule. And depending on what they decide, that could open up the door for Malik Zaire, the former Notre Dame quarterback, mm-hmm. to possibly wind up at Florida. That's reportedly multiple sources indicate that's his first choice, but the trouble is right now the SEC has a rule that is pretty restrictive on grad transfers. And you have to, and in Florida's case, they had previous grad transfers who didn't reach the academic requirements, and as such, they are prohibited from taking any more for a period of three years. Well, that would block the door on Malik Zaire, and yes, Tom Herman's interested in him, too, with only two scholarship quarterbacks at, at Texas. I mean, Tom Herman knows what, uh, you know, the importance of quarterback depth from his time at Ohio State. When mm-hmm. he lost two quarterbacks during the course of the season, Cardell Jones, his third string, delivered the, uh, the first CFP title. So this is a situation now where you, if you thought the Texas legislature was, was interesting when it came to votes and horse trading, you have now a situation where I think a lot of people in the SEC agree that they need to revisit their grad transfer rule. This is the way college is going. They also want to make sure people that, that the grad transfers come in are making progress toward that master's degree or whatever they want to achieve. But you also get into self-interest. How many SEC schools want to do something that would immediately help out Florida for next year, potentially. And, and that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on and, and, and kind of a test for uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. I mean, uh, in, in the past, I mean, Mike Slive was the master of these kind of behind-the-scenes political maneuvering. I think Greg Sankey is a very sharp guy. I think he also wants to do the right thing both for the 
you know, for the players and for the conference. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it and whether Malik Zaire winds up at Florida or maybe at Texas. I really do doubt, though, that there's going to be gunfire threatened, you know, in, in these Big 12 or SEC meetings like you had in the Texas legislature this week. So I'm guessing cooler heads are probably going to prevail on the football side of these things. <laughs> you never know about the SEC. That's true, yeah. That. SEC country, yeah, it's 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 blood. <laughs> They're out for blood. So, so, Chuck, tell me this. Why does the SEC care so much about whether a guy is getting his master's when there's so many guys who don't even get a bachelor's? I mean, what's up with that? I think they were trying to take the high road on it before the grad transfer thing uh, kind of escalated, to be honest with you. I mean, and uh, originally they, um, not too long ago, it was a case where you had to have two years of eligibility remaining. Well, nobody, almost nobody has that. Nobody, uh, you know, it'd have to be a case of um, redshirt year and then, you know, getting your degree in three years and having two years of eligibility left. Now they've kind of relaxed it. You had a situation, Canyon Barry, who everybody, okay, uh, if you don't recognize the name, the granny free throw shooter from uh, from Florida was a grad transfer, came in, apparently went to class, did all that sort of thing. Also, uh, I mean, there have been cases in the past where, yeah, guys come in, they, you know, they're there for the semester and then they're gone to the NFL draft. Well, that's that's the risk you take. But right now, I think it's a case. The key question, I think the SEC is going to change it. Are they going to change it in time so that Malik Zaire is, you know, has a chance to play next year for Florida? That's the key thing. Or do they put it off a year? And, you know, self-interest takes over on the uh, on the part of some of those SEC East teams. And well, you know, Florida's desperate for somebody that can play that position at a high Absolutely. level. Absolutely. And, and, and I don't think. Malik Zaire is a panacea, and to be honest, I don't even know if he would necessarily beat out Shane Bouchelle at, at Texas, to be honest with you, from what we've seen. I mean, he certainly could have beat out Kaiser. Uh, I mean, the mere fact that uh, Brian Kelly in that first game against Texas was alternating Kaiser and Zaire, when, when Kaiser Clare was, was clearly the best quarterback, uh, was, you know, was kind of head-scratching. But he is a, he is a veteran guy. He's a dual-threat guy. He's got, you know, his former four-star recruit. So, yeah, he, for Florida, he's definitely an upgrade. And for Texas, he, he's this, you know, kind of insurance uh, against, you know, Shane Bouchelle took an awful lot of hits last year, when you think about it, from uh, from early in the Cal game to late in the Kansas game, played through a lot of injuries, played through uh, a sprained thumb that I think affected him uh, late in the year on his throwing, some, some uh, bruised uh, ribs from early in the season. So just to have that veteran experience there, quarterback situation, I don't think uh, Tom Herman would turn his back on that. I I can't see the SEC either watching guys leave and go someplace else or, or not not leave there but but you know this is a guy that you know however good he, he's going to be at this point he's a quality quarterback uh he you can bring him into the sec or we're going to watch him go someplace else or one of our big competitors and and do something there i, I just don't see them saying oh well that's, yeah let's stick to our guns here and to our our high standards i i'm i was a little surprised that they that they had them frankly no, I mean it's it, it it you know on what seems to be a somewhat slow uh, conference meeting, stock on wood. Um, you know that that seems to be the most interesting one and the one with carryover issues. And, and meanwhile, we've got the uh, Big Twelve ads and presidents convening in Irving. Uh, you know, beginning tonight with the reception, tomorrow through 
Friday. N- you know, nothing really on the agenda from, as, as I said, and, you know, this, this isn't a case of, of expansion boiling over or anything else. But there are some issues percolating thanks to one Paul, Paul Feinbaum of the SEC Network who kind of, uh, you know, threw the grenade that uh, has again restarted that, uh, the narrative about the Big 12, you know, compared to the Titanic, all that sort of thing. Nothing, you know, nothing's going to happen with the Big 12 immediately. The TV contract that runs through 2024, 20, 25 is very lucrative. The Big 12 is going to distribute an awful lot of money, but it's going to be interesting to see how that narrative plays out this week, how the Big 12 responds, and especially how Oklahoma President David Bourne responds. Now, let me ask you this, Chuck, because we know that the grant of rights, uh, the TV contracts with the Big 12, uh, extends through 2025. Uh, the Big 10s isn't uh, theirs up in 2023. Does that sound right to you? No, e- even sooner than that. Sooner uh, than that. Remember, they took very short term uh, on on the last deal. So that's the key question here. And would somebody be willing to to challenge that? Uh, And and the you know the Big Ten is kind of a canary in the coal mine when it comes to uh, you know they when when the Big Ten decided to go short term, relatively short term on its TV contract, it was with the idea that hey, we don't want to lock ourselves in because these things keep going up, up, and up. Well, maybe they don't keep going up, up, and up right now. Um, you know, with, uh, with the layoffs at ESPN, with cord cutting, with uh, Fox struggling to, uh, you know, get FX, you know, Fox Sports 1 off the ground, that sort of thing. It, you know, is the Big Ten going to be able to go back to the marketplace and get something? And here's the other thing. Does the Big, Big Ten, in response, try to get a kicker? Do they say... And Maryland Rutgers isn't really paying off like we want. Let's go see what else is out there and see what a 16-team league would be. And if we had a national football power, does that juice this our, our negotiating power going forward? And that's kind of the concern is which conference, you know, if, if you believe that Oklahoma is looking around or at least that Oklahoma would like to be in a situation where they could, they could leave you know, which conference is willing to help Oklahoma challenge that Greta Bryant and maybe make that move. And so far, nobody wants to take that, you know, uh, take that on from a legal standpoint. It could get really messy. It could take, you know, years to play out in court. So, you know, who's most likely? I mean, the SEC, as much as they probably would take Oklahoma, doesn't need it right now. Maybe with, the, you know, whenever the uh, Big Ten TV contract opens up, Maybe the Big Ten makes that move. And, yep. and certainly Jim Delaney seems like a guy who's uh, maybe constitutionally uh, prone to do something like that. He's kind of got manifest destiny flowing through his <laughs> so, so, Chuck, uh, let's, let's uh, consider that situation just a little bit here. If, if their TV rights or their, their contract is up in 2022, then um, is it, that's five years away. That would certainly give Texas or Oklahoma plenty of time to challenge that from a legal standpoint to the grant of rights that the uh, that they have through the Big Twelve, uh, and at that point, and I'm wondering even if would Texas because I don't think that the Big Ten would be interested necessarily in Oklahoma. If they're going to take a Big Twelve school, they're going to take Texas. Uh, so if if that were the case, would Texas be because of their uh, ESPN deal? Would they be 
willing to forfeit those those uh, TV revenues for the uh, for the duration of that contract. That, that's a great question, and it gets even more complicated because um, you know the Big Ten has its network, which is partnered with Fox. Clearly, the Longhorn Network partnered with ESPN, and you know remember the Longhorn Network is locked in through twenty thirty. Right, wow. and people and. Uh, I've looked at the contract. Other people smarter, a lot smarter than me have looked at the contract and said there's no out clause, not for ESPN, but also not for Texas on this, you know, short of just buying out the entire amount of money. And the last thing ESPN would want is Texas going to the Big Ten, which is uh, very tight with Fox. You know, it's it's one of those situations where uh, right now with the ACC heading the network, and, and obviously that's a Big Ten Tie our our ESPN tie-in, so um, you know there's some possibilities there. But for the most part, Texas is kind of locked in place right now by the Longhorn Network. As a mere fact, the Big 12 doesn't have a network makes it maybe the best home for the time being for Texas. I mean, it could get really complicated if Texas decides to go to you know, hey, start talking to the Big Ten, and ESPN goes, no, 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 no. You know, we've got you know uh, we've got this contract in place. You know, we don't want you going to uh, a conference affiliated with a rival network. It, it's some, you know, interesting things going on, and nobody knows what the landscape is going to be like in five, six, seven years from now from a TV standpoint. I wanted to bring up the landscape, Chuck, because, you know, the big networks probably aren't going anywhere, but the way those are consumed is likely changing. We've already seen that happen really over the past three or four years. If you're a Texas that has your own network that's no longer – married at the hip to ESPN, or if you're one of these conferences, heck, even a lesser conference, do you feel like they might suddenly be in a position of power because of the unpredictability of, of you know, just what the future of TV and how we consume media is? Right, and, and, and the big kind of holy grail for a lot of the conferences now is Silicon Valley, and it's, you know, is Amazon going to get involved? And as uh, a way to get people, even more people, to subscribe to Amazon Prime. You know, the the sort of situation where all of a sudden you're going to have maybe, you know, 15 college games from a conference or 20 college games from a conference. Or does, you know, are you going to be watching things on Twitter? I mean, I, I keep getting more and more advisories, you know, each couple of days. Hey, I watched a lot of golf it. last week on Twitter, and you know what? It was kind of nice having that window open on my computer. I'm not going to lie to you. Exactly, and 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 you have Verizon paying huge money right now to stream fifty million dollars to stream one NFL football game. Now, admittedly, that's the NFL, and the NFL, you know, uh, just finds a way to to make money. But uh, you know, the question is, you know, what's what's a big SEC game worth? What's a big Big Ten game worth? And and what's Texas OU worth? When you think about it, you know, it's, it's I I think there will still be a market for content, for prime content. The question is, if you're the Big 12, how much prime content do you have in comparison to, say, the SEC, uh, the Big Ten, the ACC? You know, in other words, you need to have three or four or five teams that people want to watch, and that hasn't been the case the last few years. Chuck, um, I want to kind of get to the bottom of uh, something you brought up a little bit earlier, and that's that our old pal Paul Feinbaum uh, bringing up the Oklahoma situation and comparing the Big 12 to the, to the Titanic. 
First of all, does Paul know anything more than what we already know? And secondly, if Oklahoma truly wants to leave the Big 12, doesn't it have to take Oklahoma State with it? First, regarding Paul, I, I don't know what Paul knows, but uh, I, I what he seems to say seems to be expressing kind of what the um, the conventional wisdom is out there. And, and, and I'm sure he's got contacts. Um, throughout the college football world. I'm sure he's got very good contacts in the SEC, and I'm sure that's maybe the perception of a lot of those people, is that uh, sooner or later the, you know, the Big 12's on borrowed time. It's the zombie conference. You know, it's the walking dead conference, whatever you want to call it. But uh, the, the thing about it is, as, you know, as we said, Big 12's going to distribute to its individual schools about 33 to $34 million come Friday. And that puts it, and that's not counting the third-tier rights. And everybody talks about the Longhorn Network and the $15 million. Um, and, and even with Texas sending half of that to academics, it's still 7.5. But Oklahoma makes about 6 to $7 million off its third-tier rights. Kansas does pretty well. In the, I've been told in the, in the 4 to $5 million area, chiefly on the back of Kansas basketball and a local cable contract. Uh, that used to be Time Warner's now Spectrum. Uh, Kansas does pretty well selling uh, non-conference basketball games. So you put that all together, Big 12 teams are doing pretty well from a financial standpoint. Uh, in a couple years, when you kick in the the conference title game, uh, the full revenue, and, and they're back playing in the Sugar Bowl, you're, you're looking at the revenue distribution that's probably going to be close with the way the contract escalates to $40 million in about three years. And and these are schools that were barely making $8 million at the turn of the decade. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, a conference that's rolling in money. The thing about it is they have to project an image of stability. They have to start recruiting the top people in football. They have to start sending teams to the college football playoff and, and, and having people drafted to kind of reinforce that knowledge that you want to play football in the Big 12. I mean, basketball is fine in the Big 12. Yes, we'd like to have more Final Four teams, but, you know, they're not losing rec- top recruits in Big 12 basketball. You know, this coming year, there's going to be four or five teams that open the year in the top 25, uh, a couple teams potentially in the top 10. That's the way it's going to be. Uh, but, but football is one thing that the Big 12 has to get right and, uh, you know, to, to kind of sustain itself. You didn't answer the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State question, Chuck. Oh, uh I did not. I, I just like to talk here. I, I, I'm <laughs> doing a filibuster. It's okay. We understand. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a great political state uh, situation in the state. I mean, the general feeling has been that that would be the preferred situation. But if if Oklahoma has a, a great opportunity to go with, let's say, Texas to the Big Ten, and I, I still don't think – I'm trying to figure out logistically how that would happen. But if that were to happen and and – the Cowboys have to stay behind. Are people? How many people in the Oklahoma legislature are going to say, "No, Oklahoma, you can't do this"? I mean, Oklahoma is still the University of Oklahoma, and University of Oklahoma is paramount. And, and that's also the problem with the SEC. The SEC, as much as people are saying that, hey, um, the TV networks are, are per se, you still have to be strategic about it. Oklahoma is does not have big TV markets. Take Oklahoma. Fine, you gain national prestige, uh, uh, prime 
football program, all this kind of stuff. But if you have to take Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and that fills you up to 16, that precludes you from going someplace east and maybe grabbing somebody else that might give you other TV markets and, and get you into that sort of larger footprint. So, you know, that that's a real interesting discussion there. It's what could happen. That's why a lot of people think that eventually – you know, we'll be revisiting the whole Pac-16 situation because that would make sense. You know, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, we're both going to, you know, the, the Pac-12 right now has room to handle them. Um, you know, they, they, you know, as much as people talk about the Big 12 having problems, the, the Pac-12, I mean, they're making nothing off the network. I mean, I, I've got the network, the Pac-12 network on my cable system. It's great. You know, I love watching you know, six different channels, and it's high quality, all that sort of thing. But, you know, they're making roughly $1.5 million per school. Wow. That's nothing compared to the SEC and, and the Big Ten. And, and there's some grumbling going on out there. And so how do you jumpstart if you're the Pac-12? The only way you really can is maybe Larry Scott revisits his grand plan or, uh, you know, there's something to be said there. We don't know. But, yes, the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State equation, if we get down to realignment, I still don't think it, it starts happening in earnest until the next decade. But if we get down to those dominoes falling, it'll be interesting to see if, if that's a duo or, or if self-interest takes over. Chuck, if we could shift gears, I do want to go to college baseball because the road to Omaha is about to get cranked up, and if people do pay attention to college baseball within the Big 12, they know that you've got uh, you know a traditional power in Texas that's fallen back, but now Texas Tech is going to be hosting a regional. TCU's been one of the better teams in the country over the past few years. They're going to be hosting a regional. Some other Texas teams are going to be in the mix. If you could, just touch on uh, what uh, what that sport in particular is doing for the conference moving forward and maybe give us uh, some knowledge on what we plan to see in the next few weeks. Right. I mean, again, give the Big 12 a lot of credit on this. We don't say that too often. But, but last year, what was viewed as a down year for the Big 12, they only had three teams selected to the NCAA tournament, and all three of those wound up in Omaha. Uh-huh. You know, Texas Tech, TCU, and Oklahoma State. And, and, and this year you've got, you know, seven, seven teams in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, West Virginia making its first appearance since uh, 1996. Wow. A nice team. But, the, uh, the, you know, the teams that... Is going, you know, are going to get everybody's attention are, are Tech. And Tech has one of the better home field advantages in the nation, so Tech getting a national seed and being able to play regionals and potentially super regionals in Lubbock is, is a huge advantage for them. That's teams to keep an eye out for. And then TCU, which quote-unquote got rewarded with a, a national seed, has one of the toughest regionals that you're going to see. Uh, from that standpoint, yes, they're playing at Lupton Stadium where they're 23 and four this year. But you've got Virginia, which a lot of people thought should be hosting. You yeah, know, one of the best teams in the ACC, well coached. Uh, and DBU, you know, they're going to be fired up to to go to Fort Worth. And, and, and when you look at it, Virginia playing in the ACC, which is really hard, has won six straight ACC series in 20, 22 of its last 29 games. This is a team on a hot streak right now. And, and Dallas Baptist, which uh, you know was struggling at the midpoint of the season, got back the leading here in Missouri Valley. That team you know, tends to help you out. They're slugging 
5-13 as a team, and, and they've gone on a tear right now, too. They've gone 22-4 um, and four in their last uh, 26 games. The only team that's done better in that span is Oregon State, who's the number one overall seed in the tournament. So you've got... And, and Dallas Baptist doesn't have any fear going into TCU either. They've played them twice this year. They've probably played. So the seniors on, on Dallas Baptist have probably played close to a dozen games on the, on that field. So and, they know the drill. And do we have word yet? Do we have word yet on Texas A&M? I know that that's maybe even coming down as we're doing this podcast. On, on Texas A&M? Yeah, them possibly being a fringe team in the in the tournament. No, they're definitely in the tournament, but uh, you know they're actually playing Baylor in Houston. Okay. the way it shaped up, but the uh, they were one of the last four teams selected. They were clearly a bubble team. They did not close the team year strong. Uh, I think Rob Childress does a really nice job at A and M, but he's kind of there's a little bit of Rick Barnes syndrome going to on down there. Where I think Aggies are getting a little antsy with the uh, with the direction of the program, even though they've been to super regionals the last two years. Mm-hmm. But yes, A and M is in against Baylor that and uh, in in Houston, so that's interesting. And a lot of people thought Texas might get sent down to to Houston instead of Baylor. Instead, of, Texas is out in California in in the Long Beach regional, uh, opening against UCLA. I mean, there there are some very interesting things. As, as it's shaping up right now in college baseball. But to me, the, what's happening in the Fort Worth Regional is you've got three of the hottest teams in the country, best team. You know, I think clearly TCU and Virginia are, are elite teams this year. And, and the way Dallas Baptist closed the season, and given their history in the tournament and being able to make runs, I, I don't think you count them out as a third seed. That is an awfully good third seed. Uh, kind of going through the Valley Tournament like they did. I feel like I say it every year around this time, but the College World Series is one of the more underrated, great things we have across the land. And if you are jonesing for entertainment while we're patiently awaiting the NBA Finals to start, you know, click on some college baseball. If you're out on the Rangers and don't want to see them blow one in the seventh inning, you're gonna, <laughs> probably going to get a good college baseball game on your uh, on your cable provider, I would assume. Uh, I, and let me say, you know, I totally agree with you. Uh, no... You know, I, I love the College World Series. I, I still remember, I think it took off in the 80s when ESPN was first televising it. Was a, there was a fake uh, pickoff move in a game uh, with Wichita State. Yeah, the Shockers. And, it was to, and I remember that. There was like a, a fake pickoff. It worked well. People, hey, this, this is kind of a fun event. It goes on for, for two weeks. The other thing that I think, you know, again, if people are looking for entertainment value and it delivers on uh, on the women's side is the Women's College World, mm-hmm. Softball World yeah, Series. It is and good. It, it's awfully good. And, again, you have three teams of local interest, Oklahoma, which always seems to be there, playing basically a de facto home game in Oklahoma City. You have Baylor, which upset the number two team in the country, Arizona, you know, a longtime power in dramatic fashion. And, and Texas A&M with, with a great story. Um, uh, you know, coming back to beat Tennessee and and in the final eight at Oklahoma City. So you, you know, okay, end of plug for the women's women's college world series. Very nice, Chuck. Thanks for that. Well, thanks for the time, Chuck. Thanks for letting us pick your brain, and I'm sure we'll talk to you very soon as we get inch closer and closer to the football season. 
So I want to know, is Kevin Sherrington going to make a cameo appearance out of Big 12 meetings uh, this week? I'm going to be there on Friday, Chuck. Come out there to hang out with you for a little while. Hey, hey uh, a tender, you can watch the Tinder reunion of David Bourne and the microphone. <laughs> yes. Uh, anytime you're going to put David, in, David Bourne in front of a microphone, I'll be there. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Chuck, we'll see you. There he goes. That's Chuck Carlton of the Morning News covering everything college sports. we got the Big 12 meetings just around the corner, College World Series cranking up. Good times there. Be sure to uh, download our other podcasts this week. Uh, we had Barry Horn getting just very passionate about boxing, talking about the new champion, Pumped. Earl Spence Jr. And we also uh, talk a little Texas Rangers baseball with Dave Raymond as your Rangers are, uh, after that Big Ten game win streak, are back on the struggle bus. So be sure to uh, tune in. Thanks to Brian. Thanks to Kevin. And thanks to Chuck Carlton for joining us on this edition of the Ballsy Podcast, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.